Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Hello, Trevor. Welcome to this week of our lives. Yes. It's going to be a good one. Let's do some click pitch. Hopefully. <laughs> the name of the game is Click Pitch. We both That's have a random word generator. Of the game. On the count of three to one click, we're going to click refresh. We'll take those words. We'll throw them at each other with our voices. <laughs> We shall mash them together, create a game design, and then throw that game design away because it's shit. Well, and then we click again. It might not be shit. We'll throw it away regardless. No. Yeah. Or we throw it away because we're not funny. Or we throw it away because we can't bear how much we want to play that cool ass game that we just came up with. Three the ass game. Yeah, that cool ass game. Most of our games are ass games, to be to be honest. Damnation. Swim. Hmm. Mm. So, they found the entrance to hell at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. And okay. Yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. And it's, so, it's sort of an adventure exploration game. It kind of starts out like a journey to the center of the earth sort of thing where, like, a group of adventurers sort of get together on this submarine. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're, you're on a submarine. Uh, let's come back to what the actual gameplay is going to be because there are a few different ways we could go with that. But- yeah, the general thing is you're on an expedition, uh, and it's just a regular, you know, scientific ex- expedition to try to discover things down in the depths of the ocean that we haven't seen before. But as you get deeper and it's completely pitch black and you sort of go deeper in this new prototype submarine than you've ever been able to go before, you start realizing that it's getting light again. <laughs> but with this ominous kind of glowing red dim, you know, aura. It's not only getting lighter, but it's also the pressure is starting to- um, To, to, le- let to up. lessen. Yeah. Yeah, your, your dials and, and, and measurements are all off for what they should be for being this deep in the ocean. And- yeah. Oh, and then- <laughs> And then I like the idea that you- that, Like, uh, the, the instruments are telling you that you're getting close to the surface- and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we're kilometers below the, the, the surface of the ocean and it's saying that the pressure- And we're 15 degrees down bubble. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, it means that you're going, you're going down. Oh, right. <laughs> and then you, you drop into hell and it's just like the surface of the ocean. It's like an upside down surface of the ocean, right? And then hell is below you. <laughs> and then you're falling. The submarine's just falling through space. <laughs> and then it cuts to it cuts to a scene where you've got, like, um, the devil or something in a meeting. And he's just <laughs> talking about, um, you know, oh, so later on today we're going to do this to Hitler and we're going to do this to this person. And, and then all of a sudden you see a submarine just fall past the window. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's like an office building. There's just a giant glass window. Um, as this submarine just falls past. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then it's a, like, fight your way- Well, not a fight your way, but, like, explore hell sort of situation. Yeah. Um, since you went there, though, and I like the comedy of that, maybe this is not your traditional hell structure. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is modern hell. This is modern day hell. Yeah. I- I'm picturing that, like, it's um, skyscrapers everywhere. It's effectively- um, I think in the backstory, you can sort of see that at some stage, um, like, these buildings look incredibly old. So, it looks as though uh, Satan, at some stage, went to Earth and influenced, like, architects and that sort of stuff mm. into building, like, so- skyscrapers and stuff in the in its- um, in Hell's image sort of thing. So, the whole thing is just a cityscape sort of thing, except- I mean, capitalism like was definitely Satan's idea. So, it kind of makes sense that Wall Street is- uh is, you know, modelled after hell. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> so, I'm picturing it's like an exploration sort of game, not so much combat, but I like the idea of you sort of running around and solving solving puzzles. Yes. Yeah. A la I was thinking a Zelda-ish, Zelda-ish sort of game that you're, you know, having to do somewhat some fetch questy sort of stuff as well as just getting to, getting to explore and talk to, talk to different um, citizens of hell. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a bit more narrative. Well, yeah, like a bit more character-based, a bit more just adventurous. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, what's the, Okay, I'm just trying to think of what direction to take it from to, to, to develop this further. Okay, so- The characters, your, maybe. Yeah. Your character, Helena. Uh-huh. She- the reason why she's come along on this on this journey is because her mentor um, was involved in one of the first expeditions to the Mariana Trench yeah. and disappeared and basically has been living down in hell for the last 13 years. <laughs> she finds this out, except, except that time runs a little bit differently in hell. Mm-hmm. So, it's actually been the last 13,000 years. <laughs> oh, God. Is she- did she get a job or is she here suffering or is she running the place? Oh, so I'm um, assuming the mentor is, a, is another woman, but it's not necessarily. But, um, yeah, like what happened? Yeah, I, I, I think it's more that um, because time doesn't really mean anything here. Yeah. Then, you know, it's the equivalent of 13,000 years, but it also like uh, for some of it, there was some torture involved and then- um, and those, day- those days all sort of tend to run together, so it goes yep. by pretty quickly. So, I'm I'm not picturing, like, um, you know, the typical Hellraiser or Cenobite sort of torture, where there's, like, fish hooks put in people's bodies and skin torn off and all that sort of stuff. I'm thinking more mundane tortures. Yeah, things like um, you're trying to read Twitter and your phone disconnects every, you know, 17 seconds, uh, and then the- the you know connecting spinner just um, goes for about seven weeks, <laughs> and then finally connects again, and you get your next tweet. Oh God, that's just <laughs> that's just hell in a handbasket. Um, the the whole idea of you know any time that you want to go onto um, public transport in this place, there's always screaming babies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your headphones don't work, so you have to just <laughs> listen to the screaming. One of your headphones works sometimes. <laughs> One earbud. Okay, so it's just to only give you the left earbud, and um, every single every single bit of music is mixed like the Beatles, <laughs> where where there's like um, important stuff um, that is in the right right earphone that you. All you've don't got get. is podcasts recorded in stereo with one host in each ear. <laughs> <laughs> so you only hear like. Um, me talking and you don't hear Ben. So, a lot of the time throughout the episode, you're not hearing anything. You're just hearing, hmm, yeah. A lot of laughing, though, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, there's a lot of torture going on. Uh, so, is your goal- I guess maybe what's happening is Helena is trying to rescue her mentor. But does she get there and and, and her mentor is just like, uh, no, like, I've, I've made a life for myself here. I have a child. I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of like that idea of of like what what is going to keep the mentor here is is the child and the fact that the the child is like a you know because it was born in hell like it cannot leave because it doesn't actually have a soul sort mm. of thing like um interesting yeah you could explore you could explore even that idea of what a soul is and yep. the idea that it, that it doesn't actually make you better or worse than anyone else, right? Like, there are other sentient beings that don't happen to have this little mystical thing called a soul, and it's all kind of- it's more of a- it's like a classist thing, almost. Um, Or a race thing. (laughs) Where Ed God is just this total fucking racist. He's a soulist. Or maybe there are different types of souls or something, but God only recognises one of those types. Yeah, there's- there's a grading of souls, and um, well, God, grade, God if- grades the souls in hell. In hell, yeah, in hell, it's the one place where they just like all souls are equal. To, to, they're just sort of different. They have different, yeah. All, all souls are welcome. Or something, yeah. Um, you know, and and I kind of like the idea that when when you think about it, the the way that everyone sort of talks about hell is like this is the place that you don't want to end up, and it's like your your mental sort of goes, well, yes, there is um. There is some some form of torture here, but there's also a sense of freedom that you that you get here. Yeah, I Whereas- think it, it can be kind of a funny thing where, like, like yes, we do have to have our you know yearly quota of torture performed on us, but for the other uh, you know eleven months of the year, 
<laughs> it's like your annual leave. It's like you have a certain amount of torture that you have to take, uh, and it accrues over time. And you can just take it when you feel like it. Uh, and yeah, it's like soul crushing, regardless of your type of soul. But uh, the rest of the time, it's it's pretty fucking nice. It's pretty chill. Yeah, and I got a I got a rather good tan, even though I can't really see because. The sun's orange here. Because I'm going through my mandated torture and there are crows pecking at my eyes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's got to be more mundane than that. Uh, I mean, there- um- there's, there's crows always, like, outside my window, pecking at the window. <laughs> it's like, I, can, I can't sleep. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe- Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really it's just got to be mundane stuff. It's like, the, the torture is, is stuff that doesn't actually- physically harm you is just more mentally disturbing well i wonder if you could though if you can get into because you know it's not going to be a utopia i love that we're talking about hell as a potential utopia uh <laughs> but even in hell there's classes and stuff and it's not around the soul type stuff it's actually more you know like i said ca- um, capitalism started in hell so it's actually like whoever's got the money yeah well there's a lot of there's a lot around, you know, the reason she's doing so well is she's ra- risen up the ranks to, like, vice president of, you know, Lava Flow or whatever. Um, yep. You know, the, the sulfur mines. But for a lot of the people down below, they're still it's still pretty shitty. And the maybe and maybe yeah, that's the reason she the gets to choose the mundane, more mundane torches. Because, like, yeah, they're fucking annoying and could drive you mad. But, you know, at least it's not shards of class- being shoved into your fingernails. I was going to say something else, but um, at, at, le- at least I don't have tinnitus. Where the only thing I can hear is nails going down chalkboards. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there, there'd be some interesting things to, <laughs> to explore there. This could almost be a Witcher style RPG. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of going into the wildlands sort of thing. Um, and there's like different demonic beasts that you got to sort of go out. Yeah, and-, and also you know exploring out in the slums where it is you know the lower class people here who are treated badly in the more traditional hellish ways. Like there's sort of tears to hell, uh, and yeah, you fall into the upper class area first and you get a bit of a surprise because it's not what you expected. But as you as you explore and find out a bit more about it, you're like, oh wait, okay, down here is where people are being poked with pitchforks. But what I also like is, as you go through the game, you actually also find out what heaven is like, because it turns out that the entrance to heaven is just the other side of the planet, to the to the um, Mariana Trench. Like, okay, so both heaven and hell are both under underground. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, are they like pressed up against each other? What do they meet each other in the middle? Um, I think there's in between each one is the wildlands. There's like a DMZ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they each have their own wildlands. That's cool. Maybe you, your eventual quest is to make yourself a cr- like no one, no one gets into heaven via the wildlands, but you're going to be the first, you know, party to do it um, because you've got some sort of mission. Um, I don't know where the Mariana Trench is exactly, but I have a feeling that land will be on the other on the opposite side. So I like the idea that the it's like you get to you get to the heaven side and there's actually like a stairway out of um that leads up into onto onto like earth again so right the, you know the whole stairway to heaven was actually a stairway leaning down not leading up yeah 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 so the way to get the way to get home is to actually walk up the stairway so i'm looking at where it would take you out <laughs> <laughs> it's right now it is still in the water but it's right off the coast of africa right off where uh, no sorry off the coast of south america because i'm bad at continents so, it's not exactly halfway, but I, I like the idea that it sort of, like, the stairway comes out in the middle of Chile it's or something Salvador. like that. It's off Salvador. Rio, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. That's probably close enough. There you go. Um, so, I like the idea that when you when you go up this stairway at the end, you come out in, like, this dark alley in, in, in Rio, like, in- Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically- is is this alleyway- well, it's, it's alleyway under, with it's just under this- the Christ the Redeemer statue. <laughs> There's <laughs> just a stairway that that um that has like a no exit sign on it. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. Um, so I'm thinking, a la 
uh, the Grand Theft Auto sort of things where you end up having to do like missions for, for Satan as you, as you go up, um, as you get more renown within, within hell, you know, you get to, you get to meet the, the lieutenants up and then finally you get to meet Satan and, you know, he's, I'm sort of seeing him sort of like a, um, sort of like a business mogul sort of, sort of character. Yeah. That his, his whole thing is about like projections for the next year of, of like, you know, torture proje- projections and how much they're going to, they're going to, um, expand their, their, um, their city limits and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. what are soul project- projections for the next year? All that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you, so do you, do you think you get to, are you working for Satan then? Like wh- who's sending you on this mission across to heaven and what do you have to do there? Is this um, like a revolution? Well, You're like, I don't think it's a revolution. I think it's more, he, um, Satan is just trying to, um, trying to, you know, get, get a little bit more land. So he's trying to take some parts of the of the um, wildlands to try and get more souls. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's but, more of a yeah. Okay. It's more of a land grab kind of push yeah, push the does, front he, lines of 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 hell towards heaven. Doesn't want to fight heaven. Um, like doesn't find any reason to. Yeah. But heaven might not like if he's sort of trying to push at it. If he's going for the for the land grab a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. But I, I kind of like the idea that like the aggressive. Um, the more aggressive uh, tactics are coming from, like, the heaven side of things. Yeah. Oh, I definitely sort think- Sort of that juxtaposition I of- definitely think that the the way we do this is, sure, there's torture in heaven, but they're actually, like, pretty cool people, uh, despite, you know, capitalism, you know, pushing down- Hell, you mean? Pushing- Hell. Sorry, am I- Did I say heaven? Hell. Yes, you did. Um, despite capitalism, like, still creating an incredibly classist atmosphere, uh, heaven- Treats its people really well, and but they're all douchebags. But they're all douchebags, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the types of people that's in and self righteous, like, yeah. Thinking that, that yeah. they are kind of only let in the actually the worst of the worst when it comes to you know it's almost entirely white men. There's actually an extreme lack of oh. women up there, uh, <laughs> just because they don't usually you know pass the douchebag test. Uh, which, which you know, he's not couched in those terms. It's uh, they think it's some sort of character character test that actually measures something positive. But no, turns out it's mostly just white assholes, <laughs> bleached. <laughs> and at that point, three to one click. Yeah, exchange lecturer. Oh, lecturer. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm sort of seeing, like, the first thing that came into my head is, like, a university. Yeah. Um, and, like, one of the one of the main lecturers who's been going for many years has just fallen ill. And you've got basically a substitute yeah, lecturer so that has to come Yeah, that was sort in. of the narrative direction I went in with, with exchange as well. But I was wondering if it's worth exploring a more mechanical idea of uh, something around- Having to move lecturers around, uh, put them in, you know, have them in the right places, the effect that they have on a particular class or a particular university or something. I don't know. It, it might be. <laughs> I've just thought of, of like, um, for some reason, uh, that whole scene in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like the, the sandbag. The sandbag. And like <laughs> switching out. <laughs> but with a person. But with a person, so basically, you know, you you come in and you and you're like, you've only got, um, say, three lecturers or something like that, and there's like six classes that you need to teach. So yep. instead of a sandbag, you've got like a, a hologram that you can like sort of <laughs> switch in um, to basically, you know, the only time that you need a lecturer in in the hall is when there's questions and answers when there's actual teaching going on then you can just have the um have the hologram going on right just writing on the board so it's like every, every time you have to come in and, and create some sort of diversion to be able to swap out the um the person in the hologram well i wonder if this is a more kind of arcadey um arcadey sort of sort of time management um plate juggling game uh but the comment is sort of on the, the it's a commentary on 
academia numbing the minds of its students because if yep. you leave them alone for too long, they start talking to each other and realizing that this is all bullshit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you have to make sure that you're that you're dumbing them down with quizzes, and you know maybe it's more high school. I don't know, if it's high school, university. Um, it, it's more interesting there, but yeah, it, it'd basically be around like keeping their autonomy levels down. <laughs> it reminds me actually, there was a a game that came out, and it was about the time I was working on a similar sort of game, which was a school simulator, like a business sim sort of thing with a school um, yep. in a theme of hospital-ish sort of way. And mine was going to be a bit just a bit more traditional and had a lot of interesting ideas around student, you know, um, uh, students' relationships and that sort of thing. Anyway, this one was called- uh, I can't remember what it was called, but you're, if you- it, There was a mechanic around exactly this of, like, not letting your students- um, have have enough autonomy, but it was, you had to keep it a balance because basically, if you if you discipline them too much, they turn into pineapples for some reason. Uh, but pineapples were very <laughs> easy to handle. They didn't have their own thoughts and feelings. They just sort of came and learned and whatever. And that was a whole. <laughs> that was more of a comment on you know allowing children to to learn and have their own thoughts. But yeah, we could sort of go the opposite. You want pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm picturing that you you played the dean in this one and um o- over the over the um each sort of level goes for like an hour um in game okay. time yep you basically have to keep an eye on i think it starts out with like one lecture and one hologram and basically you have to choose okay we're going to start in this one with the real person uh, for the introduction and you know, set this one back by five minutes, and then you know, right? Okay, find it, find a <laughs> find a way of of distracting everyone, putting the hologram in here to keep the keep the lesson going, and swapping the, All right, so, the lecture. Okay, into the I other. like this. Uh, I'm picturing kind of a top down ish sort of view where you've got the school, and you've got a couple of lecture halls that are active. And, yep. and all you can see is inside those lecture halls and the hallways, and every other room is blocked off. They they get opened up later. And of course, your lecturer has to move in real time. Like your hologram, you can you can turn on instantly in either room, but your lecturer, yep. your, your real life lecturer, has to run from one to the other. And so, yeah, that would be an in- interesting balance. Then, well, the sort of things that you got to do to to like um, you know get people to to look away is you know you've got. Um, you know, the ding going up the back and, like, telling jokes and stuff and everyone turns around to look. Um, you can have, like, a streaker that everyone sort of <laughs> well, focuses okay. in on that. I don't, I don't think um, you need you- to do that every time. I think what it is is your hologram or your lecturer, like, if you need to switch them or move them, they can just make an excuse and be like, oh, I'll just be right back. But you can't do that too many times because every time you do it, it ups the level of sort of questioning of your students. Um, mm-hmm. And the longer they're left alone, if they're left alone, then that questioning also goes up. And just to make it even more difficult, I think the higher the kind of curiosity level of your students, the more they're likely to ask to interrupt a lecture to ask a question. So even though you've got the hologram in there and it's not due for you know question time for another five minutes, someone might ask a question and you either have to ignore the question completely, which is just going to cause their curiosity to go up even more. Or you have to literally, like, have the lecturer run from the other place to come in here, switch them out with the hologram, answer the question, and then decide if you want them to run back or- And so, I think you've kind of got- In each lecture hall, you've got a timeline of the schedule of the lecture. Yep. uh, And what parts can be handled by a hologram and what parts need a real human. And and then, yeah, you've got, like, maybe you've got a certain amount of power or something- so, for a short amount of time, you might be able to have two holograms going at once, but it's going to drain your power more. So, yeah. It's- but you can you can get away with that as long as all the lights have been able to be turned off. Yeah. Well, so- there might be ways that you can- Yeah, that you can- <laughs> but, you can't, but you can't turn the lights off in the lecture hall with a hologram because the hologram glows and it's noticeable. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking rather than playing the dean, you're playing like a teaching assistant. Okay, like an actual person in the in this world as well. Do they have to run around too? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like the idea that the um, no one realizes that this one lecturer is actually being p- 
put on to two different um two different classes at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um and later on, you know, could end up being like the same lecturers in three different classes at the same time and then, you know, two different lecturers are in five different classes at the same same yeah, time. Yeah. You know, so you got one one who has to do two and one that has to do three and that could be quite interesting. Um I kinda like the idea that like some of the other things that you can do to to do some distracting and that sort of stuff is you can actually hire actors to be in the class to cause a disturbance. But any time any time that you need to do that, you you basically you're spending some some of the cash that you're you're making for the day. Right. So yeah, well maybe you have other tools as well that it's not just lecturers and holograms. Maybe there is one in between that is an actor um, that doesn't have some of the downsides of a hologram. They're better at stalling. Because they can think on their feet. So, like, if you need- If someone has asked a question, <laughs> I'm just pitching, like, uh, you know, uh, sir, like, you know, when you said this, like, what did you mean? And the act- You're like, okay, actor, like, stall because you've just pulled your lecturer out of, you know, room two. They're running over. You've turned the hologram back on in room two. So, they're okay. The lecturer needs to run over. And then- just before the lecture gets there, you have to tell the actor, like, all right, like, go out the door. <laughs> so, this whole time, the, the actor's just being all like, hmm, well, that's a very interesting question, uh, Jeremy. And uh, I'm going to answer that in just a moment. Oh, wait, I just need to take a piss. <laughs> they walk out the door, the, other, the actual lecturer walks right back in. Yes, yeah, so, Jeremy, I will answer your question. <laughs> what was it again? <laughs> so, I was actually thinking maybe you're playing- This could be set up like you're looking through sort of security cameras and you're actually playing- kind of a um, the operator of this school. And so, you get commands from the dean or you get updates from the dean of like, this class has, you know, has been empty for five minutes. They're, they're starting to get rowdy. Uh, so, and that's sort of just giving you a sense of what's going on. But you're just in control of, you can radio down to the lecturer or the, the actors, or you can turn on, on and off the holograms and the lights and the different, you know, you've just got control over the different aspects of the school. Um, I like the idea that you've got a radio there that you can radio for for like help from from like a um an actor in the group. But any time that the actor comes in, it's sort of like a hail mary of like actors that you've hired for for the class that can actually be disruptive. Yeah, well, and I think um, there are different thresholds to how well each one can work. Uh, I really see this balancing coming down to just learning the mechanics of when a particular distraction or a particular uh, resource, you know, teaching resource will work and, and utilizing that effectively. And and part of that is what level of curiosity, for lack of a better word, I feel like there's a better word for that, but um, yeah. they're at. So, like, if you switch out uh, a lecturer with a lookalike, but they're at, like, super high curiosity or alertness or whatever, they're way more likely to notice uh, but if if they're down low and they're basically numbed and they're just going through the motions, like they're not paying enough attention to the lecturer to notice that it's a different person, um, <laughs> or that you know that it's a hologram and when the lights go off it glows, or that it flickers because you've fired up a second one to to you know quickly backfill an emergency. <laughs> um, I kind of like I kind of like the idea of of there being like a a um. So, like a mode in the cameras that you're using that you can actually see when, um, how many eyes are actually on the hologram at any one time. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, I think this is it. It's like this is a super modern, uh, modern university whose only goal is to numb the minds of its students. So, again, I think I feel like we're kind of getting into the, the realm of political satire here. It seems to be a bit of a yep. trend this episode. Uh, but yeah, I like that. And it's that's your goal. And yeah, you've got. You, you can, and then, because then you've got upgrade paths and stuff that you can make. So you might not have that like eye measurement thing, uh, right away. But if you make enough money, you can, you can buy them and install them in different lecture halls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and different better power monitors, you know, maybe the holograms have a boot up time that you can lessen. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, are more realistic or have some rudimentary AI that could answer basic questions. So, like, if they're at a low curiosity level, the questions aren't going to be very hard. So, they might be able to handle a question or two uh, without picking their curiosity too much. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like the, I way, I- I like the way these mechanics are meshing, actually. I feel like you could really yeah. tweak those to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm just- I, I, I can really see this as 
as like um, every now and again, like if one of the levels, the lecture hall is actually a good like minute and a half apart so that the um the lecturer has to like run all the way down the corridor and all this oh, other yeah, stuff totally but- well and then that's other upgrades you can get is like travelators and stuff for you to get your physical lecturers well, around faster carpeted floors so that you don't um you're not getting these massive footfalls that you can hear <laughs> all the way down the <laughs> I'm just picturing these students in the class. And, I mean, this makes perfect sense. You would start to get kind of suspicious if your lecturer can't seem to answer a question. He needs to go out for a cigarette and you just hear. Oh, I need to quit smoking. Love it. That's really cool. Absolutely love it. All right. Three, two, one, click. Interface. Note. Hmm. Okay. So, you could take this in a few different ways. Uh, where my mind jumped to immediately is school again, but high school. Yep. Kids like to pass notes. Yes. Particularly about, like, people that they like or whatever. Maybe the entire interface of the game, then, is just through note passing. Okay. So, I'm thinking first person could be VR, because I'm picturing that you're just sitting at your desk the whole time. Oh, actually, yep. VR would be quite good because part of the interface could be not getting caught. Yeah, so you're looking around and then you're, you're like, reaching behind you to, to collect a to note. To collect a note, yeah. Um, and then, you know, making sure the teacher's not looking when you write in a note and tick, yes, I do like, uh, you know, Benji. Nobody, who would call that kid Benji? I mean, my name's Ben, but, like, Benji? Stupid brain. Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, Yeah, I feel like you could do some interesting stuff with that. I guess, where does the depth come from? Because, you know, the mechanics themselves become fairly fairly, uh, obvious with, yeah, writing and passing notes without being seen by the teacher. Is Is it almost a bit of a narrative romance, like, almost visual novel style, but presented via these notes? Is it, like, how do you, Um, can you write your own notes? What would the interface be for that? I mean, I'm kind of, where my, where my head is actually going is it, is it starts going into, into, like, it's something rather innocuous when you, when you first start, like, you're just passing notes back and forward and you, you can sort of, um, Choose a couple of different options based on, like, you're not actually physically writing writing the things, no. but you're you're answering the note and that sort of stuff, and then passing it back yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Then after a while, like, another note comes in from from like somewhere else, mm. and it's a little bit like kind of creepy. Oh, and, okay. And sort of taking it in in a little bit more of a dark direction, kind of like a I know what you did last summer sort of note that appears. Yeah. Okay. I like this a lot. So, initially, you're just- you've got maybe two friends that you're passing notes back and forth and sort of having these little discussions with. And I like the idea that, for one, each friend has their own type of paper. Handwriting. Handwriting and paper, like maybe the colour of the paper, like their notepad or whatever. Uh, I like the conversation, like, building up over time as you answer each other on the one piece of paper until it fills up and then you get a fresh one. Mm -hmm. But then you start passing notes via those people to other people. And I think, uh, I guess where I'm going is I like the idea that you don't necessarily know who a note has come from because it's been passed around the room to get to you. And so, yeah, you start you start learning about the different people in the room, and, but then you start getting these creepy notes and you're like, oh, who the fuck is this? Like, And then you're trying to identify who it is. Uh, and, yeah, you can have, like, visual cues as you're looking around the room. And, again, I, I am really leaning towards this being VR now. Um, oh, it's 100% VR yeah. the, the entire time. I'm just picturing, like, you know, sort of you're looking forward, you put your hand behind you, and you uh, feel the controller vibrate, mm-hmm. and that's when you can hold down the grip Even button. Because that's when you, the, yeah. the note's been passed to you. And, and to the sides can, as well, and obviously to the to the front. But then you've got to, you know, unfold, unfold a couple of times using actual hand <laughs> things, but also trying to keep it under the desk it. sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to mess with that and see- how far you could go uh, with those sorts yep. of mechanics. And you'd, obviously, you wouldn't want to make it too um, too annoying to, to actually do. But, yeah, and, and so it does become just this very narrative thing then of of sitting and and 
learning more about the people in this class and then sort of solving this mystery of who is this person and what are they talking about and what are they going to do. Who is your daddy? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just, I watched um, Kindergarten Cop a little while ago. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, out of context, that was uh, not obvious. <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not thinking Kindergarten. No. Uh, yeah, I know. That could be really interesting. That could be just a good sort of setting for a, for a, a unique way to tell a story. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a full-fledged game. It can just be an experience sort of thing that- Yeah, yeah. It could just go for, like, half an hour, you know? That's probably plenty of time to to tell enough of a story. Yeah, like, develop the characters a little bit, have it get a bit creepy, solve, solve a mystery. Get to know these characters and have some teacher, teacher stuff going on. Mm. Like, there's a whole lesson sort of going on at this stage. Like, you're learning about physics or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, periodically you get called upon- to answer a question or something. <laughs> uh, I also like the idea of, like, it's almost a bit of a guess who situation as you narrow down who this could be. Uh, yep. You get clues via the via the letters, via the notes, um, maybe about, you know, what type of person they are, maybe what they're wearing, or, like, they mention that they do a certain, certain type of sport and there are, like, four people in the room who, you know, have a cricket bat next to them or whatever because they're, you know, there's a cricket match after school. Uh, you know, it leads you in the direction of one person, but then they get called up to the principal's office and you keep getting notes. And so, it's like, oh, shit, it's not them then. Yeah, like, it just really mm-hmm. process of elimination. It's sort of a cross between Cluedo, Clue for American listeners, um, and guess who? And, you know, like, just, just narrowing that down based on based on the information you're getting. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's cool. Very do Yeah. Anatomy. Murder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel like we've done some sort of game about, like, very uh, anatomically correct murders or something. Didn't we do, like, a Jack the Ripper style? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Anatomy of a murder. Maybe it's less around bodily anatomy and more around that sort of phrase, like, how how, how you put together a murder. It's like exploring the different parts that make up a murder. A okay, murder, so I have to say, like, that. I kind of like, I kind of like the idea that your character is like a somewhat a a scientist trying to work out how these different murders actually happened. Okay, so each case that you get, it's like a little bit more convoluted than the last, and basically you can set actors in the scene. Um, trying to trying to recreate the, the murder to try and help solve it. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you see like okay, this particular room, there's like a body and it's and it's laying on like this completely destroyed um coffee table. Yeah, and so it's like okay, now you can back it up from there and you know sort of say now if the character was here and got pushed and would have yeah. landed on its back on this this thing. So it's like you got to try and work out what the best way. All right, he- yeah, to, um, yeah, yeah, I like. Kind of like a puzzle game. Yeah, it is a puzzle game. I okay. Here's the here's the kind of elements I'm putting together here. Um, yeah, there's a bit of. Did you ever play that game? Remember me? Is that what it was? It was the. I think um, it's in my Steam library. It was. Uh, was it? Um, I think it was. Don't nod. Was that Don't nod's first? Yeah, remember me yeah. is is definitely in my in my library. So yeah, I haven't played it. Uh, it was. Look, it was a mediocre fighting game. But it had an interesting story and characters, and one of the really interesting bits was you had to- Well, Wikipedia tells me you were stealing memories, but the way you did this was you could make time move back and forward of a scene and and um, sort of see different aspects of that scene depending on mm-hmm. like options you've made. So, what I'm thinking is you've got a crime scene, you've got DNA evidence, and you've got, yeah, a certain amount of- Initially, at least, a certain amount of actors, like there are the people involved in this, and oh, and and as you as you go, you can actually unlock different, um, like the reason the reason why you've only got certain certain amounts of evidence is because um, they thought that it was just in this one particular area, and then when you find out that you set this thing up that it 
sort of goes over to the computer first and it's yeah. like, oh, we didn't check there. And it's like, then they find out that there's like another couple of fingerprints there. Yeah. So you can add a couple more So I'm more thinking it's also very and- similar to uh, the Batman VR game with the detective mode yep. where you're yep. kind of moving back and forth through time. That was very, there weren't really puzzles there. It was just like find the right point to touch. But what I'm thinking is also sort of an aspect of Papers, Please, which we go to a lot, but the idea of matching an event to a piece of evidence you have mm-hmm. to sort of say, oh, all right, like, uh, you know, we we determined that the height of the person who fired um, was, you know, was six foot, but the angle of the bullet, once you sort of figure that out, con- contradicts that, that they couldn't have been- standing there at that point. And so, you have to, like, match those up. And it's like, yes, that's a discrepancy. All right. And it shifts the scene or it, like, eliminates that, well, that person who you know was involved can't have been, you know, the person who fired from this position or something. like. You know, do you, do you see how I'm- Like, yeah, you're finding those contradictions- Later on, you can actually- you can actually find out, well, the the reason why it didn't work is because you thought the bullet came from below, but in reality, the person was already laying on the ground and therefore, you know, the shot could have actually yeah, come from that yeah. same well, person like, that you had before. They were doing um, pull-ups and they were hanging upside down from their pull-up bar. <laughs> so, the, the bullet actually was, was fired downwards, not upwards. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think a lot of this hinges on perhaps these are very- Perhaps these are like contaminated crime scenes, um, and so you've got suspects that you might need to eliminate uh, of, oh, for being I, involved. I'm, at I'm all. picturing rather than just being like the very first case is like in a in like a a unit sort of thing, but later on cases are like in a diner or something like that, where yeah, where there know, are every a lot of people dog has come through there. So yeah, but I'm also thinking so that you don't necessarily have a body every time. Is I guess what I'm thinking. So in some of these cases, you are literally determining who the victim is. Maybe it's along the lines of, because you're doing this all in sort of a computer simulation, maybe these are like corrupted readings from crime scenes and you are the expert at figuring them out. So, it's like, this is this super futuristic section where literally the entire CSI is they just drop a scanner in the middle of the room and it goes, but sometimes the data gets corrupted. And so, all you've got is like- these particular pieces of information, like, oh, there's one blood splatter here, but literally you don't know where any other blood was. And, um, you know, you don't know where the body was found or what it looked like. And so, the act of of retrieving this data is you then going through and working out this puzzle and figuring out the contradictions. And that's sort of you unraveling this corrupted code, this corrupted data. Mm-hmm. So, as for interface, I'm thinking- that this would be amazing in VR. Yeah, I think that's another one. Um, this is another one I'm that just, could work I'm on I'm just VR imagining sure. being able to actually- Like walk around you know, this scene. Not only walk around, but like because you were saying that this is like a, um, a digital recreation, you oh. can actually, while you're standing there, you can like turn the yeah, scene. Yeah, it's very minority and report. Move it around. Of like- Yeah. You can either be- You can go- Yeah, you can like- you know, stretch it out and blow it up full screen, like a uh, full full size, like you're walking around it. Or then you can just like bring it down, rotate it, you know, put point- Collapse it, throw it onto that screen over, yes, over there. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be cool. It's like, all right, pull in, uh, you know, pull in the blood spatter um, data and like you throw it at the room and it like overlays it over the top. It's very, um, very Tony Stark in the Avengers as well with him just like grabbing bits yep. of data and, and it just- it does what you expect it to as you like throw it at a particular in a particular direction. That'd be cool. That's that'd be a really fun interface to to play with and probably a real challenge to design. But I feel like it could be done. I feel like it could be done. Yeah, I I think it definitely could be. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of seeing that it'd be very easy to make some DLC for it as well. Like, well, you can just release some cases and stuff. Yeah, there'd almost be a bit so- of um. Phoenix Wright-ish sort of stuff in here as well, where you're sort of learning learning things about particular characters as you unravel these puzzles. And, like, there's a bit of story behind it. So, it could definitely be very episodic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I and like I'm also lot. seeing that there could, there could also be, like, a um, Orwell sort of um, situation yeah. sort of happening that- Yeah, well, again, with an interface like this, 
you could be getting messages from your boss or from your friends or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, like pull up my message, message client or whatever and bring it up in front of the hologram of the thing. And uh, I mean, just like in VR anyway, with Oculus and stuff, you can, you know, move windows around and, and that sort of thing in their interface. It's that, but obviously within the game. Uh, yeah, I've got to say, I've been playing around um, a little a little while ago just with like um, putting like a YouTube video just in, um, off to the side. So I'll be doing something. I look across and there's like a YouTube video actually playing in a window that I've locked into into the game. Yeah, exactly. Like that's so that's so cool to be able to to be able to do that. Um, it's amazing being able to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think having having that actually within within the gameplay itself. Yeah, exactly. So um, you can. You can set up your little workspace however you like in this sort of infinite, infinite space. And again, like this is a way that it would work really well room scale without having to be room scale. But if you've got room scale, you've just got more places you can put screens and holograms and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I'm actually starting to think is I, I like the idea that within the story, you're actually within a virtual world. So um, your character in the game is actually- wearing a, a virtual reality headset so you feel like you're actually part of the story so you are actually that character mm. within virtual reality or, or you can maybe then- maybe not maybe they're not wearing a virtual reality headset maybe they're wearing an augmented reality headset so that you oh, yeah. as the yeah. player feel like you're in their world but with these these overlays perfectly over the top of everything yeah yeah so you um, can kind of see people like if you if you take off you know air quotes um your your headset, then you can just look around your office and you can see people out the window and they're working and whatever. Um, or if you know, you turn off your heads up, heads up displays, but the whole, and there's other people in their offices just like with a headset on, just like gesturing around and stuff because they're working in the same way. Yeah. That, that, oh, that's, an- that's, that's really quite cool. Yes. I really like that a lot. Uh, I can't believe, I can't believe nobody has, has tried to make an interface like, you know, the Tony Stark esque. Kind of grabbing things and moving them around as part of the gameplay. Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm surprised that no one has actually tried to tried to make like you know how they've made um, big screen and virtual desktop and all those sort of things. Why they haven't actually tried making like the minority report? Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Interface within within virtual reality just for just for doing regular jobs. Maybe when the uh, the knuckles or what is it the the index or whatever now um, comes out and you've got full hand movement that might work a bit better for Minority Report since a lot of that was gesture based. Yeah. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. Click. Demonstration. Wrecker. Wrecker. This is this is a good candidate for some physics based destruction. Yep. For some reason, I'm just seeing like this massive wrecking ball, like coming in and. And taking out all these demonstrators. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> God damn it, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> okay, I was just thinking that you're literally taking out like activists. Although I guess if we're doing like political satire. We could do some in the opposite direction because I'm sure that's basically the extent of what a right wing political satire game would be. <laughs> Killing demonstrators. <laughs> we're making a point. <laughs> Um, well, I, I was thinking more of a- All right, here you go. You're building some sort of giant robot that needs to destroy a town, <laughs> but you don't have control over it as it's destroying. It's like you have to build it and then set it and it goes. It's kind of a battle bots, but for giant city destroying robots. Well, except I'm mean, battle bots are uh, controlled by remote controls, but- Or a bit of- You kind of have to give it ru- rudimentary AI, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What, what, was, what was your um, your word again? Demonstration. Demonstration. So I'm thinking okay. that- may- The Wrecker- Yeah. Like- The Wrecker is like the robot codename Wrecker. Yeah. And you're doing a demonstration- you're doing a demo. A la, a la like um, a, a military Yeah, you're like demo. pitching your technology or something. Yeah. Um, in some sort of- No, oh, that's cool. Even some sort of contest or- Yeah, so maybe it's on like a model of a town, but they just want to destroy towns. It's a scale model. Okay. So, I'm liking this idea, um, but my head has now gone to a classic 80s film. Okay. Short Circuit. Okay, yes. In which a demonstration happens at the start um, and something goes wrong and basically all, all the robots are all fine except for one who, who basically becomes somewhat- um, Sentient. Sentient. Yes. 
and then decides that it doesn't want to actually, you know, be a military-esque robot. And It's a little bit Iron Giant sort of as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of like the idea that sort of following along that same sort of thing that the character who created the robots uh, or the wreckers hasn't realized it, but basically- one of the one of the five models, or however many you want to go with, has actually gained sentience, mm-hmm. and you play the, the robot, robot that gains sentience. Okay, I like the idea of the game starting at the moment your consciousness begins. Yeah, uh, and so you find yourself like out on a battlefield, and you've got a heads oh, up I'm, display. I'm even thinking that it's like something that happened that morning. So, like your first thing is basically the um. Just the initial test procedures going through in the morning, like, um, sort of like clicks on and, and your creator is just standing there sort of going, well, the camera seems to be working fine. Yeah. This seems to be going, going okay. And then, you know, uh, click here, something goes wrong. And then you, you get a little message. Okay, shut, like it down, shut it down. AI inhibitor, short circuit. Yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> sentience gained. <laughs> it's like there's an error message. <laughs> 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 um, and and just the idea of it, it's sort of shutting down and then it turns back on, you know, a little while later and, and, you know, there's some more testing that's going on and then it's off again. And then the next time it actually goes on, like you're in the middle of like a battle simulation. Mm. Well, I so like the you've idea had a little of, bit of time to sort of get, even to, while, get to know. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that even while you're turned off, you've got like a clock because, uh, you know, you've got your little backup OS or battery or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, it, it speeds up to show the amount of time that's passed. But that uh, as you, like, as you go through these little vignettes and, and realize it gets to a point where, and it probably prompts you as a button, and it's like, you know, press A to wake up. <laughs> Whereas previously <laughs> you haven't been able to do that. And that's almost where the real game starts is then, because then you're alone for the first time, you know, uh, as as this sentient robot in a lab and- you can start exploring or, or whatever. Yeah. I really like the idea of, you know, the sort of, um, there's been multiple uh, across different days. There's been multiple, um, tests that you've been involved in because they're preparing for this, um, for this massive demonstration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've been running multiple drills. And so just because the first, the first, um, drill doesn't, doesn't go wrong. Well, and I know. like the idea that you're slowly gaining sentience. So, so initially, you you don't have a lot of control over yourself, right? You haven't figured out how to actually override your programming, but you're aware of it. Yeah. And actually, I kind of like the idea, even, and this might just be at the beginning, but very early on, you don't see everything in full definition. You see, like, representative blocks that are different colors because that's how your operating system is, like, classifying them. Sort of in yep. a similar way to, um, like, when you see what the Teslas see in their cameras or, like, how their processing works. So, you just see these big, chunky, like, 3D shapes all- and it's just got person written on it and it's just got wall and it's got, you know, a robot or whatever, you know, the, 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 the model number of your fellow- wreckers um yeah but every time you wake up that start like the definition of that starts to or maybe just quickly throughout that you know a bit quicker throughout that first wake up but you start to see the world like a human does um yeah and it it gets more definition more definition more definition yeah until finally until finally you're seeing the full sort of 3d world for the game yeah and you still get i think you still get like heads up display stuff that's like identifying things but it's yeah um what what I do like is like any upgrades that happen throughout the game have a legitimate reason as to why they why they enhance you is because you're literally getting upgraded. Yeah, such. yeah. So any extra armor that you add is is going to actually increase your durability. And then you know if you, if you can find like a um a matter generator or something like that, you can actually restore. Like your health, basically. That's how you. That's how you're restoring it. Yeah, yeah. You you're find not having like a to repa- just find repair health station packs or, or anything like or that. A, yeah, you know, nanobot, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm really liking this. And idea. so I'm kind of picturing um, this of a, of a as a first person shooter slash story, but like narrative thing. Yeah. A uh, bit of bit of stealth, probably even as in like I'm I'm picturing that first time you wake up and you're alone. You kind of you get to wander a bit. You overhear some conversations and you realize, oh shit, like I can't be seen as being out of line. And so to continue, you actually have to like act like a robot until the big demonstration. And that's when you finally get the opportunity to like express your, your sentience. Well, 
But what I like is the antagonist is another is another robot that has also gained sentience. Oh, okay. But it has sort of taken a, a more. It's following the party it, line. It, it it is no no. I'm thinking I'm thinking that you know it's it's basically taking people out and oh, all this sort of stuff. Oh, so it's actually like kill all humans. Yeah, it's sort of taken and taken you the typical are, are more nuanced. And you want uh, the only people you shoot are other robots. Well, it, yeah, I think I think there can be a good story reason as to as to why. Um, you you break protocol sort of thing to to protect um, protect your your creator sort of thing. Yeah. So you can actually you know jump out right at the right time to to basically stand in front and and take down this other wrecker. But then that wrecker escapes and now you're you're basically you know a much either earlier or later model. I'm I'm liking the idea of it's actually this time it's a, it's an it's a later model. Because you know how quite often it, the trope in in a lot of those things is you know it's the it's the earlier model who is the the good guy mm. and the later model who seems to be the bad yeah but I kind of like the idea of flipping that trope on its head and it's like the no the newer one has got a better a better quality um AI yeah well that, exactly maybe that's why it it's thinking more clearly and more sensibly whereas the older one yes its AI inhibitor is also broken but the AI itself that is no longer inhibited is not smart enough to to do anything but kill. Um, what I, what I like is you can have in the story that um, you know the the rogue AI that that you know attacked your your creator actually you know was the reason that you've gained sentience because of you know copied some of its program into into the newest right. the newest robot right. to try and um try and give itself an upgrade path. Oh uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it tried to copy its OS into a better AI, but all it did was create a brother who. <laughs> Then thwarted its plan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. I'm really liking some of the ideas that we've come up with today. Like, <laughs> I know we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes, but I kind of want to keep going. Um, oh, I'm not, I'm not willing to stop on this yet because I, I want to know, is this like a, a fallout sort of, sort of uh, RPG ish oh, sort of yeah, game? You could go, you could go huge. I guess it's, I guess it's how much space do you have to explore, right? Like, what is this world where, like, where, where, do you, do you break out of this? Is it short circuit esque and you go out into the real world of other humans? Like, then that, that seems like you'd stand out pretty fast. Um, do you have to pretend to be, maybe this is a world where there are a lot of robots. And so that's where kind of this almost the stealth or blending in aspect comes in. And you can, yep. you can just be out there in the city with, with other people and other robots as long as you don't show that you are thinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that could be I, cool. Oh, I kind of like the idea of having to blend in by doing like menial tasks and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like having to follow orders uh, from random people on the street because there's you know the, the th- there's the three laws or something <laughs> that you have to obey a human. But but the reason why your sentience is is so unique is that you don't actually have to follow those three rules. Oh yeah, I think that- once you become sentient, that sentient. That overrides the three laws, and you can kill whoever the fuck you want, but you don't because you can. Guy. But very, very quickly, um, they they recognise you and basically take you out. So you know, well, it's yeah, not, of course, that yeah, not a viable yeah sort of thing. Even though that that could be quite interesting to have, like, um, kind of like how in um, you know, say Infamous, they they had like the the dark and light path. That yes, you're sort of going down the same sort of story, but the way that people react to you. Well, I was thinking a bit more of it's a bit different. an RPG-ish or even a Grand Theft Auto sort of thing where, like, you can kill someone or hurt someone, but everyone knows that th- the three laws don't let robots do that. So, if they see a robot breaking those three laws, like, that is a big deal and things are going to come down hard. And so, you might be yep. able to get away, but now, like- now they're hunting you, and the, the only reason I'd hesitate to say Grand Theft Auto and and head more towards an uh, an RPG style thing is like I don't think that should just go away over time unless oh, you can no. like fake no, no, your no, own no. death or something. <laughs> well, then then you've um, once that sort of thing has happened, kind of like in in Grand Theft Auto where you've got to go to like a spray shop. It's kind of the similar thing that you've right. got, you've now got to you have to disguise you've got, yourself now got to change yeah. your your um, chassis. Yeah, you have you to know, get change a new serial number. Get it? Yeah. yeah. And it, it costs money. And the only way to get money is by, like, doing jobs for humans yeah. and stuff. Or you kill the mechanic guy and just do it yourself. <laughs> if you really want to go down that path. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like this idea of it being a more open-world RPG-ish, kind of Grand Theft Auto-ish sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, as a, yeah, as a sentient robot trying to blend in 
in the human world and get ahead in life and find love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just now trying to think of what the character's name will be, and I just keep on saying Johnny Five, Johnny Five. <laughs> um, There's got to be jokes like that, that sort of stuff. Oh, that, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, that gets it. I'm, I'm picturing in, like, the um, the evil robot's monologue is, is like, um, you know, Johnny Five is a live motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'd, you'd have to have all sorts of reference to other robot movies, for sure. But I can't think of any. So, I think we'll end it there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to find us online, the best place to go is podchaser.com slash BitStorm. You can find links to all of our social media pages there, including our YouTube, which has some fun point-click repeat uh, sessions up there. We'll get some more up at some point in the future. We are also part of the 8-Bit Collective. This is a wonderful network of gaming and otherwise podcasts. Uh, you can go to 8bit.net to see all of those or 8bit.net slash bitstorm to get to our specific page. And uh, But definitely check out some of the other podcasts on there. We'd also like you to check out the AGPN. Just search for AGP Network on Twitter or the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. You can find lots of all awesome gaming podcasts from the Australasian region. A lot of our friends uh, in the podcast world have actually come from that that network, and it's just a, a community that that wants to help each other. Yeah. So check them out. And last, we'd like to thank our band Kuridust for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's it. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And actually, I'm a hologram of Ben Slinger, and I need to leave very quickly because you asked me a question.